Hey, we're just about to jump into the episode, but before we do, did you know we have a junior-friendly Discord community? It's completely free to join. If you want to join us, the link is in the description. We'd love to have you. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another podcast episode where we help aspiring developers get jobs and junior developers grow. We are doing a review on Springboard. I know it's been requested by quite a few people, so hopefully you enjoy it. But as usual, I brought on three graduates from Springboard. We're going to talk about how it went, kind of get a feel for where they're at right now. Um, We'll start with intros, just like usual. Matt, if you could um, mention like what your background was, where you came from going into software engineering. And then, um, you know, are you currently looking for a position? You currently working for a company? But uh, yeah, tell us about yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Matt McFarland. Uh, I'm from Portland, Oregon. Uh, prior to getting into software engineering, I was a product manager um, for 10 years. So have worked alongside software engineering teams, but not doing the code part of that. Um, so I've kind of always had an interest in it. Um, I got laid off uh, at the beginning of the COVID um, pandemic, like a lot of other people did. Uh, and so that was a chance to kind of do some career reflection. And as a result of that, decided to go ahead and, you know, see if coding was a viable career path for myself. Um, I really enjoy it. And so kind of went, went all in, um, went to springboard, graduated as a result. Um, and I am currently employed uh, with a, a small startup company named uh, Procure Now in the government technology sector as a software engineer. Okay, really cool. Um, yeah, I remember. So yeah, you were the product manager, I think that, um, I was looking into, do you, do you feel like, uh, like what, I'm just curious, what was the moment where you started thinking about like even transferring to becoming a software engineer and learning how to code while you were a product manager? Like what was that moment in your head? Uh, I've, I've just, I've had an interest in it since I was a kid, um, during computer class, like I kind of was always a pretty advanced and I remember doing some like basic word games and like basic, uh, language like way back when. Um, and so, you know, working, I, I just always kind of been interested in it. Um, probably like five ish years ago, um, we were down to just like one or two engineers on a, the product that I was managing and we were just getting killed with like death by a thousand paper cuts, which is like all these little like CSS things and like word change, just like some real basic stuff. And I was like, you know, Hey, I'm kind of dabbling in uh, rail. It was a rails app. I was kind of dabbling in it anyways. I was like, get me set up and I can like probably knock some of this stuff out. Um, so I did that, you know, I have some, you know, uh, pull requests still kind of out there in the wild, uh, from, <laughs> from that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I, you know, got interested in it to sort of start you know, that really kind of wet my appetite. And then, you know, life kind of gets in the way and got caught up back in the product management stuff. But, uh, yeah, when I got laid off, it was a good chance to kind of go all in. Okay. You saw that as an opportunity. Good for you. Awesome. All right. Um, for me, I've been a software engineer at a few different companies, um, mainly focused on the front end until the third position. It was a full stack position. Uh, I love coding. Um, I've loved it for a long, long time. I actually didn't get into coding until, cause I always thought like if I made it a profession, I'd get sick of it. And that, you know, that was, uh, something I always feared. And then I tried it and it didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, last or in 2020 beginning started my own company. 
now I help software engineers become software engineers professionally. So that's what I do. Um, but yeah, that's it for me. How about you, Chris? Uh, for me, I've been studying on and off software engineering since about 20, like late 2018. Uh, that's when I started like just taking a few classes on Treehouse. Uh, did it off and on because at the time I was, I still am doing uh, property management. So like I own a few units I just renovated at the time. And so that's why I've been doing ever since then. But ever since 2018, I've been on and off, like learning uh, front-end development. And it wasn't until April of last year when I joined Springboard that I like really took the leap for it. And yes, and so I'm pretty new to like just finishing Springboard. So I'm still like applying out there. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I had before 2018 some experience with programming, like back in high school. So that's like over 10 years ago where I did some HTML javascript stuff but yeah ever since then i i pretty much 2018 is when i just really started to get like a like big interest in it and always wanted to design stuff with coding okay sounds really cool well good yeah. luck with the job search yeah thank you kudo how about you yeah so i just graduated from college back in like it was august 2019 and um well, like prior to that, I was a computer engineering major and then I switched to like a supply chain majors. It was still in like engineering, but anyways, um, I just, I felt like I wasn't, I switched out because I just, I felt like I wasn't mature enough to handle the workload at that time. So I went to the supply chain major, I was kind of sales infused, graduated, did like an internship at an insurance sales company. And I just didn't, I felt like it wasn't like scratching like an itch like I wasn't problem solving on a day-to-day basis I was just like convincing people and stuff it was I don't know I just felt like uh there was something inside me that wasn't being satisfied so um my internship ended around like February March like right when uh COVID started and I really didn't know what I was gonna do and then I just like remembered that there was such thing as a coding boot camp like I remember like this guy on YouTube named Engineer Truthy so like he went to one or something so um I looked into that because I was always interested in tech. Like I was in computer engineering. I just, I guess now I felt like it was time for me to kind of step up to the bat and, and, and be able to, to do it. So um, I just, I just finished a springboard program. It was very, um, I, I definitely liked how like they built, built us up very like progressively. And we just kind of like never got thrown to the wolves. It was always like just good, good teaching throughout the whole thing. So now I'm just um, in the process of looking for job. Like I'm just, I have a list of things I need to do every day and I just do that and just kind of pray and hope for results. So that's where I'm at now. I love that you have a list. I mean, that's one thing most people don't have and it holds them back. Yeah. It's just like, if you can just be, I I just, I just want to promise myself that I'm going to be consistent in what I do every day. And you know, if I, I, I should get a job eventually. I can't, I can't stress any more than that. Like I'm just going to do what I have to do and see what happens. That's such a good attitude. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. All right, cool. Everyone ready to jump right into it? Yep. All right. What was the application process like? Um, I guess I'm going first. Um, it was, it was interesting. I mean, they had us, um, if I can remember correctly, we had to do like uh, just a 
a little job. Like they had like, um, I, I was doing, I was looking at different coding boot camps and I did like, like a pre screen, like a, just like a, they, they had like practice free practice materials. So I kind of did a little bit of that. And then for like springboard, they just had us do, I can't remember what it was. It was like, a, it was a simple JavaScript function. It wasn't really anything complex. And, um, Anybody else remember like what else we had to do besides that? Because like it wasn't that hard, and then we got in. Like it wasn't that difficult. Yeah, I remember we had a phone call. Yeah. Oh yeah. I totally yeah. forgot that they had us do like a, mm. a function thing. I totally forgot about that. Mm. Yeah, but I remember the phone call. It was pretty much talking about our experiences. Uh, if we had any struggles programming before then, just like basic like onboarding. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I uh, filled out like an application online, was contacted probably the next day by one of their recruiters slash sales guys, um, you know, had a pretty simple, straightforward conversation with them. Then I, I tried, I wanted to test out of the kind of intro course. Like they have like a short sort of intro oh, yeah. thing that you can test out of if, um, if you feel like you're mm. kind of past that. Um, so there was like a hacker rank um, challenge. I think it was three yeah. questions. Um, I actually had some trouble with it. Um, that one of the, like they had like the instructions were back. Like it was like, you know, spit out the numbers and like descending order and like the thing accepted ascending order, not descending order. And then there was like another question where like, I couldn't get it to print on one line. It kept printing on all new lines for some reason. And so like, I took some screenshots and was like, Hey, there's some weird stuff going on. So I didn't pass cause like it wouldn't accept the answer. Um, but I sent it to them. And so, you know, as a result of that, they're like, yeah, you're fine. Uh, but I had done some like self-study stuff prior to that. So when I looked at the kind of intro curriculum, I was like, I've done this twice now. Like I really, <laughs> I'm ready to jump in. So. Okay. That's interesting. So they, they have a course that they require you to take and you can test out of that to skip it. Yeah. Does that course cost? It does, but I think if you continue on in the next one, they just apply that to like okay. your tuition. So it's sort of free if you keep going. So if you, it, I mean, if you go through the, what happens if you go through that course and you're still not really ready, but you tell them you're ready? Can you make it right into the coding boot camp? I, I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't my scenario, so I, okay. I can't speak to that. I don't know. Yeah, so I, remember I did it. I think I did the problems and just went straight into the course. I don't think I did any pre-course work, from what I remember. Okay, sounds. Yeah, and like um, I I know they had like like you could you know pay for a little pre-course and then apply it to your actual boot camp, but from what I saw, you could just get the pre-course work for free from Rhythm School, like. Cause I know they're collaborating on it and I just saw they were like, Oh, $400 for this pre-course work. But then I was like, wait, rhythm school has like everything that would be pre-course work here. So I'm just going to like dabble in that instead. Like I'm not going to pay if I don't have to and commit. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Nice pro tip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good tip. I also saw that, uh, here, let me pull it up my other screen but i also saw that they guarantee a refund if you don't get a job do you know the specifics on that it says job um, guaranteed refunds among um 211 
eligible students who have completed the six month data. Oh, it, that's data science. No, it applies to this. I can pull it up. Let me find it. I think yeah. like my ma main question is, um, do they probably have stipulations, right? You probably have to be trying to get that job. Like, do you know the stipulations? Uh, I, I, I don't. Exact. Oh, go ahead. I, yeah, I don't know the exact, but it's basically you have to like a, apply to a certain number of jobs a week. They have a job tracker. They have okay. a little Chrome browser plugin that uh, makes it easy to record your kind of like application history. Um, mm -hmm. So I think they try to make it easy on you, but it's basically like you have to either reach out, like make contacts or be doing applications like every week to keep up your eligibility with it. And then I'm sure there's a salary level that you have to like, if you get an offer at X level, you have to accept it. Yeah. 50,000. 50,000. Okay. And so we're, you know, like maybe we're inaccurate about this. We're just going off of our best memory. So definitely check with their advice. I have it pulled up right now. Okay. Yeah. So it's, um, you promise to apply for four qualifying positions a week, reach out to seven individuals per week, conduct two informationals per month, uh, informational interviews per month, and then have a uh, schedule career coach calls. Yeah, that compared to other coding boot camps, that's actually nothing. Um, mm. That's interesting. Okay, well, I so my opinion is I think a lot of coding boot camps are continuing to sprout up. Markets be, becoming oversaturated year after year, and I think this job guarantee refund is going to be necessary to start being competitive among other coding boot camps. Um, I'm curious if it will be, but mark my words, I think it will be in the near future. But that's still, I don't know. I kind of think that gives a leg up with the springboard for sure. Okay. I was just curious. Mm. What about like, I'm curious, what is the uh, stack that you learned? What, like, was it a JavaScript stack or yeah, what was it? Yeah, it was uh, first they taught us uh, like the HTML, CSS, but then we went into JavaScript and then stopped that and then went into Python, Flask, and then uh, I think it went to Node and then React. Uh, okay, so... Wow, and also okay. SQL, I forgot, Postgres. It was thrown in there somewhere. What's the length of the program? Uh, I think nine months, about nine yeah, months. Yeah, nine months is like max time. It can be like six to nine months. If you're going really fast, you can do it in six. Nine is months that, is like the full time. Yeah, I think they say it's like seven or 800 hours total. Yeah. Well, okay, wow. That is the longest boot camp I've reviewed. So <laughs> that's full time at least six months. Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing it full time, yeah, yeah five. I think I did it in like five-ish, but yeah, five to six months, I think full time. And then if you do it part time, like nine. I almost have a lot of confidence just because you're putting so much time into this. Wow. Okay. I, I want to hear about the curriculum. What do you think of it? What do you think of the program? I thought it was very, very thorough. Like I, I, I just... Compared to like me graduating from college and like compared to this, like I feel like I have a real tangible skill set. Like, like I, like I just have, um, it's like a bargaining chip. Like I, I, like I know my stuff. Like, I mean, I'm not an expert. I'm still a beginner. I'm entry level, but just like, like I said earlier, like just the way they just built you up in each, you know, aspect, be it the back end or front end, like it was, it was thorough. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I echo that. Five of five on the curriculum. Uh, you know, it's super up to date. They just like released the software engineering uh, track at like the beginning of 2020 or something like that. So, you know, everything is kind of the latest. Uh, it's done by Colt Steel and in conjunction with Rhythm School. Um, if you look up Colt Steel, you can find his videos online and stuff. He has a great teaching style, I think. Um, yeah, everything they teach you is kind of the latest, you know, with React, it's, you know, um, functional components and hooks. Um, I really like that they started you with kind of like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, jQuery, and then drop you into Python for a little bit. Cause I felt like, you know, in this job, you're always like learning new stuff. And so it's kind of like great to like, you know, here's some stuff and then, whoa, here's some other stuff that's like, you know, it's not hard to make that, uh, that leap, but it's like, it really kind of like shakes you out of that a little bit. And then they go back into JavaScript to do node and react. And so I felt like kind of doing that really giving you like two backends to work, you know, frameworks to work with it. And I felt like that was just, you know, kind of builds your confidence. Cause you're like, Hey, like I can switch gears. I can learn new stuff. You know, I can see different ways of doing these things. Um, I felt like that was really, really good. Yeah, and I, I had uh, previously back in 2019 did uh, one other boot camp that uh, Springboard was just a lot better than this one. Uh, the other one I did was a coding dojo, but I had to stop like halfway into that because they were doing like a transitional period where they only had like one teacher teaching like three or four different cohorts. So after that, I, I switched. I actually heard about the uh, this boot camp through uh, Cold Steel, one of his Udemy courses I was taking. And so when I found out about that, I pretty much uh, was waiting for a little bit of reviews and jumped right on it. But uh, yeah, I thought this was uh, really good. There, there was some, I think, areas of them could do some improvement, but it was like one of the better ones I've like was able to research. Okay. A lot of good words on it. And don't worry, we have a section of constructive criticism. So we're definitely going to hit that for <laughs> sure. Um, but okay. So the, yeah, when you said... Uh, JavaScript, probably front end to Python back end to node back end. I was a little worried. And then, you know, when we reemphasized six month to nine month coding bootcamp, like that is more than enough time to be able to ch teach two mm -hmm. stacks. I, I love the idea of learning multiple languages. I just don't like fitting it in three months for a full time. That's interesting. Do you feel like, you know, one tricky part is transitioning from the front end to the back end and a lot of coding bootcamps sometimes have trouble transitioning and people struggle with that. Do you feel like that was a smooth transition? You felt like the uh, curriculum think, was lined up well enough to. Yeah, I think it was a, a pretty good transition because uh, from when they taught us uh, uh, JavaScript, they gave us a pretty good foundation into transitioning to Python and Python is kind of similar in some ways, like from how they, introduced us to python because they taught us the basics again like with i think it's called dictionaries and objects but i thought it was a good transition because then after that then it was flask and then flask to node okay what was the hardest part about the curriculum hmm. i would say i don't know if there was any part that was particularly hard i would say it just like at the beginning, I was just a, like a noob. Like I was just like anything, like simple things would just confuse me. And then like looking back on it, it's just like, oh, I just didn't have fundamentals down. So once I got the fundamentals down, it was just like, you could throw 
the back end at me or, or node, anything at me. Nothing is like completely foreign. Like I like like I know what a for loop is. Like I I've seen it a million times right now. Like there's nothing that can really like. I mean, obviously, I would say honestly, the data structure algorithm that's going to be that is hard. Like that's just hard in itself. So that's just hard in general. But other than that, like once I had the fundamentals down, it was it wasn't too hard. Okay. What about you, Tim? It was also the algorithms I struggled on the most. Like, because uh, they did teach us algorithms, but that was at the very, like, one of the very end courses, like, lessons at the end was, uh, like, algorithms. And that, that's the one I probably struggled the most on. Yeah, I'd echo that as well. I think that's one that's just, like, it's kind of hard to get your head around. It's, you know, it's hard to sort of put it in context of web development sometimes. And so, you know, I feel like if I would make a recommendation, it would be to uh, sprinkle that in throughout your time. Uh, so you're not just saving it up for the end. Cause that is a, that is a slog. So um, I would definitely recommend like, do, you know, kind of sprinkling those modules in with your rest of your stuff as you're kind of going along. So it's not just like a big chunk at the end that you got to get through. Yeah. I think that's a really good recommendation. And I remember um, I came from Full Stack Academy, and one thing they definitely did right was dove into data structures and algorithms. It was a really painful week. Everyone hated themselves. And then we kind of went into the rest of the curriculum, and then we kind of stacked on and started practicing a lot. And it gave us time to um, just, like, practice it a little bit in our spare time and just, like, solidify it in our head. So I think that's a really good suggestion. Shoot, I don't really, it sounds like everyone's pretty confident with the curriculum. You feel good about it. You feel good about yourselves. Would you say that you're able to tackle a lot of like whiteboard interviews and coding challenges that are coming up in interviews potentially? Um, well, I just had my, my mock interview and um, I, so if you, if you fail, if you fail it twice, you don't get the job guarantee. So the first time, like, I was just not ready. Like, I, like, I mean, I had practiced, like, data structures and stuff, but, like, just the whole, like, environment, like, it was a shared, like, uh, IDE. Like, he could edit it at the same time I could, and, like, I couldn't really see his face. I just, like, just met him just right then and there. And, like, it was just really just nerves. Like, my brain just, like, froze. But the second time around, I did it with the same dude, and I was just a lot more, a lot more calm. So it was fine after that. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. So you don't get the job guarantee if you fail your second mock interview, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a technical mock interview. There's a behavioral one. And then there's a project uh, walkthrough. So if you fail either of them twice, you don't get the job guarantee. Do they give you that heads up when they promise that job? I, guarantee? No, I did not know that until now. I literally just like realized that. Oh, that's I, kinda... I mean, maybe it's somewhere. I don't know. But I didn't, I didn't realize it until, the, until I failed the first one. I was like, oh, gosh. Okay, that's sketchy. They need to bring that up in the beginning. I, I don't like that at all. Um, interesting. Okay. So what about you two? Did you feel pretty prepared for coding challenges? Uh, I... I... I feel like that's something you just have to practice. And so I did my, when I did my first, um, uh, coding, like, you know, interview, I bombed it. It's the same thing. I just, I froze. I was just like, I am so nervous that like, 
I, I don't even remember how to code anymore. Um, so I feel like it's just one of those. And, and, you know, I had done very little, I mean, like I, like at the beginning of my kind of learn to code journey, I had been doing stuff on like code wars or hacker rank or lead code, but I just kind of stopped doing that. And like, I don't know why I just expected that I was going to be able to like jump into like an interview setting and like do well. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's just one of those things that like, you just got to practice that stuff. And before you actually like commit to doing one of your, cause you only get two shots. So, you know, I would definitely recommend, uh, spending some time on leak code or, you know, whichever one of your choice, like before you jump into that, cause it's, you got to kind of have that at the ready and, you know, time yourself or something. I don't know, try to put yourself in like a nervous environment. Cause I feel like that's the thing that like, tripped me up the most was just like having someone kind of like watching over my shoulder and feeling like, you know, I don't know. It just really froze me up. Well, let's forget about the mock interview. What about real company interviews? Has anyone had a coding challenge for an actual company? Yeah, I I have. And I didn't like have any problem. I, I felt more nervous like during the whiteboarding interview with Springboard than I did with the actual company. It's probably a good thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause when I was going with a uh, springboard, the first uh, few interviews, I just completely bombed like how uh, Matt was saying, I, I totally forgot what even a for loop was like the first time I did the interview. And then it, 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 didn't, it probably took me, I think like three or four additional interviews where I started to get comfortable uh, with springboard. Cause I remember the technical interview is always the same person, but the whiteboard, they kind of like switched off with different instructors, but yeah, I, I eventually got comfortable enough to, uh, with interviews. Okay. Um, okay. That that's, that's pretty good. I, I feel pretty confident about the curriculum. Um, I think you had some good advice, Matt, about sprink, sprinkling that in, in the beginning. I think that is helpful, especially with such a hard topic. Um, I like that. I want to hear from you, uh, Matt and Chris, though. Did they give you any sort of heads up that you'd lose that job guarantee, like in the beginning, before you signed up? In the beginning, I don't remember ever seeing it up until I think it was the first or second interview that I saw that I, I was like digging around in the student resources. And that's where I saw that, like, yeah, you only have two attempts for each different interview. And if you uh, go past that, then you don't get the, the guarantee anymore. Okay. Yeah. So if they did see in the beginning, it was like maybe like small print or something where I, I, I didn't see it. Yeah. Same. I don't really remember in the, whatever I signed, you know, like I don't remember that specifically being called out, not to say that it wasn't, I just, I don't remember that. Um, it didn't, it doesn't stand out in my mind, like the job, you know, how many applications you're doing a week or like contacts did. Um, and then, yeah, same thing. Like I was kind of like peeking ahead or something and looking at some resources and kind of noticed that as well. I was like, Oh, you have to do this and you have to, you have two shots, you know, or else you don't get it. So, um, yeah, also didn't kind of same. Okay. That's good to know. Well, at least for people watching this video, they know now, um, and that that's something they should know before they sign up. Uh, but overall I, I feel pretty good about hearing about your experiences with the mm -hmm. curriculum for sure. What do you think of the instructors? I thought I thought Cole did a great job. Each video, he he thoroughly explained everything, and I really I really want to give a shout out to like what was really helpful was were the TAs like being able to just 
kind of hop online and do a live chat and like send a Google drive on what you're struggling on. Like that, that saved me at the beginning. Like that just like, I don't know, just being at being stumped, like early on when you're just like kind of a noob at things, you just don't like, you're just like, like a baby lamb, whatever, like having a TA to come in and just kind of just explain things to you. Like at any time during the day, like within two minutes, they're online with you and they're able to help you. That was super clutch. Okay. Yeah, for me, I never got the chance to use the TAs. Like whenever I had a problem, I would always like save it for um, the mentor meeting that we would have every week. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought uh, for Colt, I thought he did a really good uh, like job explaining like any concepts or the languages that we had to learn. Yeah, I mean, your primary instructor is sort of is Colt because it's the video. You know, he's the one walking you through the videos, or you know, they, so. Uh, yeah, kudos A plus. He's got a great teaching style, uh, great demeanor. Love when they leave in some of his mistakes in the videos. There's a couple Easter eggs uh, in there. It's pretty fun. Um, same thing, uh, TAs. Um, so the only thing with TAs, I think you got to be aware of is that they they are in sort of a standard business hours. I think it's nine to six or so Pacific time, and so that worked great for me because I'm in the Pacific time zone. Um, so pretty much, and I was working this like a job, so. I was pretty much doing it, you know, eight to six every day. So that worked well when I had some questions. Um, I often found that just the act of writing up my question into a chat helped me get myself unstuck, kind of like rubber duck debugging. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like, I don't know, 70% of the time as I'm typing something, I'm like, oh, right. That's where I'm, you know, that's what I'm missing. Um, Or get like have an idea or something come to me to try out. Um, yeah, the TAs were great. Um, and then, you know, I think another big piece of it is your 30 minute mentor meetings every week. Um, you know, you, my mentor, um, I actually had two mentors. I started with one, um, who was a software engineering manager. Um, and I felt like, um, he was awesome. Great guy. I just felt like I was kind of more interested in someone who was more of kind of like in the code every day, uh, as opposed to a manager. Um, I felt like my code reviews weren't quite as in depth as I was hoping for. Um, so I switched after like four ish weeks. Um, they have a process you can go through if you want to switch uh, your mentors up. Um, so the second mentor that I got, um, was more of like a senior, um, uh, engineer, um, doing code stuff every day. Um, our, uh, his process for reviewing my code was through pull requests through GitHub, um, that I would add him to those. Um, so, you know, I felt like that was really good to kind of like simulate the job environment. Um, cause that's essentially what you're doing is getting, you know, comments on your code reviews. Uh, so, or your pull requests. Um, so I felt like that was really helpful. Um, that's where I got a lot of really good feedback, um, on my code. Okay. I like that one-on-one mentorship. If that's every week throughout the entire program? Yeah, one a week. Huh, that's really good. So, okay, were you saying the name Colt? C-O-L-T? Yes. Is, yeah. So, do you have actual instructors, or is it just videos? Just videos. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, that's one way to save money. I mean, Colt's, Colt's uh, program or his videos, they're pretty good. I, I actually, no, I got to be honest. I haven't gone through them myself, but people in my communities, they talk about them all the time. So I, I've heard great things. Um, 
Interesting. So they just have TAs. It's actually really smart. Um, huh. Okay. So it sounds good. It sounds like good, you had good experiences with the TAs. You had good experience with the mentor, mentorship. And in my opinion, those are the two things you probably need. You probably don't need an instructor. But if your TAs, like if you have a bad experience with the TAs, that can definitely break your entire experience. So overall, that sounds good. Uh, what was your, so when you graduated, what kind of a job search assistance did they provide? What'd they help you with? Well, I just graduated. So, I mean, I have a, I have like a career, like I have a, I'm going to plan out my, my job hunt with a career coach like next week. And then I imagine like the thing, I, like the list I read off of, I'm just going to do all that stuff and talk to my career coach every week. I don't know what else like they do besides who will be doing besides that. Maybe Matt can answer that. Um, I mean, so they like throughout the course, there's various career modules. So they have like eight ish career calls that you do with the, they have like a number of career coaches that you can work with. Um, so I, I worked with one uh, guy, Dominic, uh, throughout the whole time, mm -hmm. highly recommend. He was really good. Um, got a ton of actionable feedback on my resume, um, LinkedIn profile, that kind of stuff. Um, so you kind of like work on some career stuff throughout the, the boot camp, And then, um, you know, and then at the end, like, uh, Kudo was saying, you do, uh, weekly calls. Um, I actually kind of landed an internship, which is where I wound up getting a job. Um, so it, the timing worked out really well that I did like 10 weeks of internship. And then that was right around when I graduated and just kind of like shifted into full time with the company. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to do. Uh, any of the kind of like post, you know, graduation job hunt stuff that mm. most people would have to do. I got really lucky. So. Okay. Yeah. For me, it's just pretty much just been a, like a resume revision, like updating it with uh, any current projects that we had. Like we had two capstone projects that we had to do in the program. So it was just been pretty much updating that and then making a plan of action. Like uh, pretty much who am I going to contact, how many places to apply for, uh, tips on websites to use, and just like basic stuff like that. Okay. Do you feel like if you had a question or you want to talk to a mentor, they're easily accessible to help you out afterwards? Yeah, yeah the, no, the you mentor, don't know, Kira. <laughs> the mentor I've had, uh, he's... Uh, He's really great. Anytime I email him, he'll like respond back. I'd say either same day or next day with like, with any kind of questions. Like even if uh, if I have a question on the project I'm working on just for fun, he'll he'll reach out and then answer that. He's a really great guy. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds really good. Um, I hope I'm going to be able to pry some constructive criticism out of all of you, to be honest. We'll see. Um, Wait, can, I, can I ask a question? Like, I just, I, I've had this like idea bubbling. So like with the whole process of getting into the boot camp, like there wasn't, I would say there wasn't that much like intense pre-screening to be offering like a job guarantee. So like, I know you interviewed a lot of like boot camps. I wonder how they're able to like, have a like sustainable profit model and like offer everybody a job guarantee. Like there's so like, I don't understand how we're able, like are these jobs that people are getting bad jobs? Like, like I don't understand. 
Yeah, um, I definitely have a really good guess with that. Now, to be clear, this is a guess. Um, mm. Legally speaking, this is only a guess. So my assumption is um, they saved a lot of money not hiring instructors. That's a big uh, sink into any coding bootcamp business. Mm. Um, usually good instructors, you're paying over 100000 A lot of coding bootcamps get away you know, paying a lot less than that, but it's hard to pull instructors, hard to get good instructors. They want to continue coding. They have to give it up for teaching. So if they had a, um, if they just go off of Colts learnings, it's really, really smart. And I'm really impressed with them for that. Um, as long as their TAs are really good. Um, that's one thing. Now it sounds like the decisions, maybe I'm wrong. This is just, you know, me looking from outside in, it's very easy to make those two interviews or, you know, what they're checking, uh, qualitative decisions based on whether you pass them or not. Now, I would assume for legal reasons, they wouldn't do that. And they probably want to try to improve those interviews. But it's there are definitely ways that you can if you even if they like kind of know their stuff, but you can tell that they're not that serious about uh, like you can tell that the student's not that serious about getting a job or you feel like they're not really going to work hard towards it. Um, there are definitely ways to fail a student in one of those interviews and completely mm -hmm. botch that guarantee. Now I'm not saying they're doing it, but it, to me, I would, as a student going in, I would investigate that a lot. I would ask them a lot of questions about those interviews. What grading scales, like what exactly quantitatively do they use to grade those last interviews? And if they don't have good answers for that, I would be skeptical. On You're that talking end. about the mock interviews at the end? Not the pre-screening ones, right? Yeah. Yeah, at the end, at the end. So with the pre-screening, that's a whole other topic, but I think like at the end is really that gatekeeper of whether they have to deliver on that or not. And I, uh, yeah, I would definitely like encourage all students to like really ask, uh, ask a lot of questions. I would have to think maybe for about an hour of like what specific questions I would ask. So I don't have that, that answer, but. Well, they have a rubric for like what would be considered a pass or a fail do for the, the mock interviews and like for the behavioral one, like. I'll say this, like, I I did an interview, I did a I did one behavioral one, and the lady was very impressive. Like, I did good in it, but she's like, oh, you didn't answer the questions in the star method or whatever, so, like, I just, I, you're going to hate me for this, but let's just do it again, right? So she failed me. But then, like, I look back at the rubric, and, like, they their logic is, like, um, they, like, companies generally, they don't, they just don't want you to, they're not going to, they're going to like remove you from the interview process. If you just have like really bad answers, like you're just like an oddball, like you're not necessarily going to hire you, but it's like trying to screen for like just completely like bad answers or whatever. And like, based off of my interview, like I well exceeded like any, like I did not do bad at all. Like I like by the rubric, I'm like, okay, I should have passed this, but since I didn't go by the star method or whatever, like, I didn't pass, but like the rubric, you know, I'm looking at the rubric, like I didn't, like, I, I can't bring it up right now. Like it's somewhere deep in there, but it was like literally to, to pass, like you had to do the bare minimum and I definitely did the bare minimum. And now I'm taking another interview and I'm like, okay, like I know I'm pretty sure I'm going to pass it next time, but it's like, you didn't really follow the rubric. Like, and like, this could be my job guarantee on the line. 
Yeah. And that's a really good question. Um, so it sounds like you would really have to examine um, <laughs> how they decide to like what they decide to actually like. I would almost like uh, it's it's hard to ask this, but I would almost ask questions and like give examples of what would like what kind of responses would pass that rubric. What would actually match? Because you, I feel like you need very specific examples. Otherwise, like, it's really hard to ask. Like, it's really easy to... Uh, I don't think they do this, but it's really easy to just word your responses of why you didn't pass based on you not matching their model um, in very vague terms. And, and some companies do this. Some educational okay. programs do this. Um, but uh, I would have to dig into their uh, terms of service. I would, like, probably go line by line and just look at, like, everything before I could say like how they might get away with something like that, if they're bringing in anyone um, without like a, a, a gatekeeper, like without high standards. Um, so like every coding bootcamp, well, actually not everyone, most coding bootcamps are starting to offer a job guarantee, but you have to read the fine print. You have to. And most students don't. So a lot of coding bootcamps get away with um, not even listing them as a student. They don't have to report that data. Like there's, there's a lot of like messed up things coding boot camps are capable of doing. Um, but yeah, I'm not fully able to answer that question, but it's a good question. Yeah. So I, I just brought it up. So like you need a two to pass and a one. So the one is a, one is a failure. So here's a, like a one. The candidate provides disingenuous answers on multiple occasions throughout the interview. The candidate makes you negative traits such as arrogance, competitiveness, or ulterior motive, AKA money. The candidate's description of their work or skills may be outdated with no indication of self-improvement. The candidate has no or only generic questions. Like, that's horrible. Like, for you to get a one, you have to be doing absolutely horrible, right, based on that description. And I thoroughly exceeded that. And I probably, maybe I got a two, maybe I got a three, I don't know. Or I should have got a two or three, I don't know. But I definitely did not deserve a one to, to fail. Yeah, you know, so, so it's like up to her. Like each yeah. person that's interviewing is, I guess it's up to them. Like, you know, like you could just get, they're not like impartial. Like, you know, it's, there's no like standard. Yeah. Very, really varied based off the like person grading you. Yeah. Yeah. Like the uh, project interview and the behavioral, that one, I had no problem. I had like really easygoing, nice instructors grading me, yeah. but the like technical algorithm one, that one, I just had a guy that was just really strict about it. And I had to do that yeah. one over and over again. Yeah, so it's no one's going to be fully impartial. And what I like to encourage people to say, as long as you've read the terms of service and you know what you're getting into, assume good intentions. If you haven't read the terms of service, you don't know what you're getting into, you don't really have a lot of control over that situation, and you have to react to it more than uh, proactively set yourself up for that. Um, but these are like, these are good questions. We're not saying that they are uh, giving biased uh, feedback and failing people on purpose, but these are things that are possible with a program like this and a guarantee like this. And I think this is more of just like a general overview of um, what you should be aware of in the fine print for all coding boot camps. These are the kind of things that come up, people skip right over them and they shouldn't. So good luck with your second interview for sure. Um, but um, yeah, it was a good question. All right. Uh, let's dive into the constructive criticism. What could they do better? 
Uh, I think uh, for me, the only thing that I really had a problem with was the pretty much the two requirements that you had to pass the interview. I mean, uh, what's the there was the four different interviews. You could only have two like chances at each. That one, I think they should either expand on, maybe give you four or five chances. Because I know with the uh, technical interview, that one I wasn't prepared at all, like the first time, and a little bit the second time. I think maybe expanding that. Or uh, or even just getting rid of the requirement at all. Like I think maybe changing that if you want the job guarantee, you got to complete all like projects and then complete the interviews instead of putting the restriction that you only have two attempts. That one, I think that's probably my biggest criticism with them. Okay. That's good. Good feedback. Anyone else? Yeah. I mean, so I'll, I have a couple. So like echoing some of that, I feel like, having a, a place where you can do some practice before you do one of your two attempts or, you know, so it's, it's a little bit lower stakes, but you still have the pressure of someone like watching over your shoulder. Um, I feel like would be a good thing. I think there is like one practice. I yeah. think they allow you to do like schedule one practice before your two attempts. Um, but it would be kind of nice if there was like a, place where you could kind of like schedule a few attempts. Cause I know, like, I mean, for me too, like I totally froze that first time and I probably would have done a lot better if I had had like three or four practice rounds before actually making like an attempt at one of those, you know, the two kind of high stakes ones. Um, so yeah, so I would definitely echo that. Um, so I think like my biggest criticism, and this is like the nature of this type of a boot camp because it's self-paced it's asynchronous. You kind of start with a cohort, but that doesn't mean you're going to be working through it at the same pace. You know, I mean, everyone's in different time zones and working around their schedule. Some people are working, some people are not. Um, so I think my biggest criticism is, is there's not really a good currently there's not, or at least from my experience, there wasn't a really good like student to student interaction. Um, it was really kind of up to you to sort of like get that. Um, people were not super engaged in the Slack community, um, you know, you'd see generally the same 15 or 20-ish people that were kind of answering questions or being responsive to other students. Um, there's a lot of prompts throughout the course to like post your, you know, capstone projects or, you know, proposals and, you know, coding exercises uh, in Slack for feedback. And it was, you know, you usually would not hear anything from anybody. Um, where like, so before this one, I was doing a local boot camp um, that would have been in person have, you know, not been COVID, uh, but they really emphasized pair programming. So you did pair programming all day, every day, four days a week. And then the fifth day was, you know, working on a, like a solo project. And so I feel like coming from that to this, where there is like no pair programming was like quite a like stark difference. And, you know, in most work environments, you're going to be doing some pair programming or coding with others. And there's like really not an opportunity for that right now. Um, I know that like I spoke to one of the community managers after graduating and they were looking for feedback. And so I gave them this already and I'm pretty sure they're working on something like this. Um, but like I hosted a study group every week to try to like get some of that like peer to peer interaction. Um, I also helped organize some people into teams for uh, a NASA space apps hackathon over a weekend to again, sort of try to get some of that 
like in, you know, kind of pair programming experience or like working in on the same code with someone else. Um, but that's like totally up to you as a student to try to drive. And it's really hard to do that again, because of like the time zones and everyone being distributed and self-paced. So I'm pretty sure that they've got some stuff in the works for that. Um, but that would be kind of like my biggest criticism, I think, is that, you know, if that's something that you're looking for um, or that you want, that you're not going to really get that, at least not in its current form. Okay. Um, I would, um, okay, y'all, y'all tell me if I, like, Matt and Chris, tell me if I just missed over this. But at the beginning, like, I know there was, like, um, orientations, and I really didn't pay much to them. I don't know how much, how valuable they were. Um, I don't know what was in them. But, like, for me, at the beginning of the course, I, um, what was it? It was, like, the first, like, it was, like, the Connect Four project, I think, um, or something like that. But I didn't. I guess I didn't know how to use the course. So I didn't download the code that they kind of gave us to like, give us like, they did like all the hard parts that would make connect Four hard. And I just didn't know to download it. So I was like freaking out, like not knowing how to like do connect Four. like I'm fresh out the, the gates. I don't know how to make connect Four. And I guess maybe that was in the, in the training. I don't know like how to use the course and everything. Like another thing I didn't know how to, um, I didn't know that like, how to use the, um, there's like a slider. So like you can like say like, okay, you want to complete the course in uh, six months, right? You're going to be working 40 hours a week. You need to be at a week, you know, 10, you need to be at this module and this like that. And I didn't realize that was even a thing until maybe like 25% in. And then like, luckily I was on track because I was just working every day, but I don't know, maybe the stuff was in the, the orientation. I Like I'm just, I just skipped over like a dummy. Was it in there? Did y'all do the orientation? I honestly don't remember an orientation at all. Uh. Yeah, no, I don't I, remember. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did the orientation. I don't remember it very well. I, I, it was short. I remember it only being like maybe 30 minutes and it was like a zoom yeah. call. And it was just kind of like a very general yeah, this is overview. That, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't really like detailed about like, here's where to find different you know, resources within the material. And I feel like a lot of that was a little bit of trial. I, as a product manager, I click on a lot. I just click on every button, like Mm. (laughs) sort of by nature. So I feel like I found like that slider that you're talking about. Like I found that, you know, pretty quickly. Um, I did miss some resources. Sometimes they're a little buried. It's a little hard to find some of the, like download the starter code um, stuff. So there were, there were a few of those. Um, But yeah, I definitely encourage, you know, click on a lot of stuff and like kind of do some investigation um, and, you know, reach out to the TAs. If you're like, you know, really stuck, they might be like, Hey, you missed the starter code. The starter code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good feedback. I mean, it sounds like everyone, unless you were a product manager like Matt and explored everything, you would have missed something really important to keep on track with everything. That's um, that's good feedback. I hope they hear it. I think that's really good feedback. Okay, this overall, okay, so what I like to do is kind of sum everything that I just heard, and you tell me where I'm wrong. How's that sound? All right, I'm really bad at this, so Um, it sounds like, so it's a six-month program, minimum. You're learning two stacks. I think you have enough time to be able to do that. Sounds like the curriculum is solid. I love that. Um, It's for some reason, the instructor thing still, it, it makes me laugh a little bit um, because it's smart 
And um, it's really hard to get away with that at a coding boot camp. But um, it sounds like the TAs really pull that together. They cared about you. The mentors cared about you. Or if that you're not clicking with the mentor, you get a new one. You have that option. That's mm -hmm. good. Um, sounds like you have a lot of support. Um, I wish they would have focused on data structures and al algorithms a little bit more, especially if like you went over JavaScript fundamentals or Python fundamentals and then focused on that a little bit. I think that would have been good timing. I wouldn't have done it in the very beginning like Full Stack Academy did. Um, but... Uh, it it does sound like I, I love that their their interviews scare you more than actual interviews. That's a good sign. <laughs> and um, I'm not I'm definitely not a fan of their policy with the job guarantee refund. Um, and I, I think I've we talked about that enough for sure. And that's something that I can see it hurting their reputation. And they need to be very careful about that because that's something that will change a really good experience to a really bad one very quickly. And that, um, but it's, you know, if we're not hearing anything, it sounds like whatever they're doing is working. Uh, people are getting jobs. Um, I feel like, I feel like this is a really solid coding bootcamp. If you have the time to give up six months of your life, um, is there an option to do like a part-time? Didn't it, did it say like 18 months or something like that? I think so. They also have an option that if you're in the program and something happens, you can like go on leave. They also have that option too. Okay. Yeah. So it's nine, I think nine months uh, if you're doing it part-time, which they consider to be 20 hours a week. Um, and okay. yeah, like Chris said, you can like take a leave if you need to like put it on pause or put the billing on pause, depending on, they have a couple of different billing options you can do, uh, but you can take like a break. I think you're allowed to, but don't quote me on that. That That's convenient. And that's probably very hard to moderate because if you take a six month break, you probably need to redo it. I don't think it's six months. I think it's like a number it's of weeks be. max. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So how do they do that? They, so full-time is six months, part-time is nine months. How does that work? It feels like part-time you're not going to get enough. I think it's just that they calculate the number of hours at like seven or 800 hours divided by 20 hours a week or 40 hours a week. I think that's where they come up with those. Yeah. Cause each section, it tells you like an, an estimate about how long it'll take you, like how many hours. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like with each section, it's probably not 40 hours. It's probably a little bit less if they're able to offer part-time for only nine months at 20 hours. Otherwise I, I would expect it to be a year. Am I doing my math wrong or? I remember like React, I think that was like close to 40 hours. It might have been like a little more or less. But yeah, you, it was just pretty much all self-paced. Like a part-timer or full-timer would get all the same material up okay. front. It just depends on if you want to do it in five, six months, then you can kind of consider yourself a full-timer. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Would just say that the estimates aren't necessarily accurate. I mean, like just because it says it's going to take 700 hours, like if you're moving pretty fast, like I moved, I didn't, it didn't take me 700 hours. Um, I think it took me like 500 or something like that. So, okay. you know, I don't know that like, that's why it's six versus nine months. I don't kind of know exactly what goes into that. I think that they give, you know, are assuming you're not taking the full time. It's just that they're sort of like calculated time is based on like seven or 800 hours. Okay. Yeah, I know someone yeah. in our cohort was able to do it in like four or five months, the whole program. And I thought that was just That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I want to add on like, I mean, 
maybe I'm just like not like the fastest at the material, but like I personally like I would spend maybe like like five hours or four or five hours of like real solid work, like five, six days a week. And I like I don't know if I would have been able to finish on time if I had a job like full time, like I would because I would come home from work and I'd be really tired. Like, so my, my work wouldn't be that efficient. Like when I'm working on the course, like when I get home. So like, I really like, I struggle to see myself, like imagine myself being able to finish on time if I had a full-time job. Cause it was a lot of stuff. Like, unless I just have no life at all, like completely no life. Okay. All right. Well, that also gives, go ahead. Yeah, just would echo the same thing. I mean, I think that's just sort of software engineering in general. It's like mm-hmm. if you if you dabble in it, like I, I speaking of experience, I, I dabbled in it and I like mm-hmm. I, I just never it just never took until I was able to dedicate like full time doing it all day, every day, nearly seven days a week. Uh, you know, like that's when it finally like stuck. So you know, I mean, it's like learning a language and if you don't speak it, you know, like you, you learn it in like high school and then you just never use it, you're going to forget yeah. it. So yeah, I would definitely, you know, if you're going to try to do it like part-time or, you know, you're also like working full-time. I mean, what's nice about this course is you can do that because it is, you know, self-paced, um, but that, you know, it's going to be a challenge for sure. Okay. I think that's really good advice. And it's a different perspective because a lot of people prefer part-time because, well, pretty much the only people that do part-time, they have full-time jobs. So they have to do part-time. Mm-hmm. It's not usually a choice when you have all of your available time, but that, I, I think that's really good advice because it's easy to extend something out to like a year um, or for this even nine months. And if you're doing the minimum required for, you know, nine months or even a year, it's uh, it's easy to forget things, especially if you're not applying it to personal projects and applying it to complex problems. And um, Okay. I think that's really good advice. All right. So last piece of the podcast, uh, we went over this quickly. This was actually a lot of good feedback, but we just finished quickly. This is awesome. Um, Okay. So last piece of the podcast, collectively, if we had to give advice for aspiring developers, what would it be? Feel free to think about this. Is it like in general or just in regards to the, the boot camp? Either. Even boot camps in general. Would I like um, to... I would... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like. I feel like just doing a boot camp in general really helped my my discipline and just like being fed what I need to know, like what topics to cover. Like if I was just like completely self-taught, I could, I feel like I could have just been meandering around, just like dabbling here, there and like not been proficient at anything. So I feel like just, you know, I mean, bootcamps can be a little pricey or whatever, but like just that making that commitment, like it's just, it, I feel like it really helped me just stay on like a straight and narrow path and, and get stuff done. And now I'm like, I'm here. I have a skill set instead of like just, going all over the place. It's good advice. I went all over the place for a year and a half and then I finally joined a coding boot camp. So I needed that. Yeah, cool. I, I would I, I agree with that hundred percent. I mean you can definitely and you'll see a ton of critics of boot camps since I mean everyone will tell you this stuff is online. It's all free. It's all out there. 
And that is absolutely true, but it takes a certain type of person to actually be able to like organize that, commit to it, understand that path and like work through it, you know, at their, at the pace that they need to, to really get it to sink in. So, you know, I felt like for me personally, like I do have like the discipline to kind of sit down and work through it, but it was really helpful to have like a structure and like sort of a guaranteed path of like, we feel really confident that this, like this path that we've laid out will give you the skills that you need to like get an entry level job. And in my case, um, I I got super lucky because the company that I'm using uses a node and react like stack. And so like it lined up very well with like what I had learned. And so I felt, you know, coming into the job, I mean, obviously having some internship time as well. Um, like I felt very prepared for that. So, um, yeah. So, you know, if that's something, you know, that you feel like you need that structure or like you want that structure, then I would definitely do your research on boot camps because they're not all created equal, as I'm sure you're aware. Um, so, and it kind of depends on what experience you're looking for. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I pretty much what I'm going to say is like really similar, but I also recommend like before going into any boot camp, look at like free code camp or any other free services before really committing to a bootcamp. Uh, Cause like for me, I studied uh, like, I think it was a few coding books, team Treehouse, and I, I was learning, but I wasn't uh, feeling too confident. And I was one like felt I could learn more or I wasn't really like at the point I need to be to apply for jobs, but it was, uh, it wasn't until like joining uh, springboard where I knew I had a, a goal at the end to get a that degree and then the job guarantee that it really like kind of like lit a fire under me to push myself to complete everything. And uh, like, I know even like during springboard, it took like a, I think a month break just to learn uh, like react native, just to kind of help my resume. And uh, I, I know from like having to really Google, like look through coding documents that uh, that helped a lot. And a lot of that I learned through Springboard and also through the uh, mentorships. But and I forgot to mention also the mentorships, I think was probably one of the best things about Springboard that I got out of it. Okay. Yeah, the mentorship and the career coaching were like the two things that are why I picked Springboard in particular. Um, plus being a little bit familiar with Colt Steel, but those two elements were definitely like big in my like why I chose springboard. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as advice goes, I would also just say like, you know, code every day and maybe not, I mean, don't take weekends off, like don't burn burn yourself out by any means, but like you gotta be coding like most days to like, for it to really sink in and for you to feel like you're, you're learning. So all good advice. I love it. All right. Let's jump right into our outros. Um, if, you, if you're building an app, you're trying to gain a user base, feel free to, you know, shout out what that app is, or um, if, even if it's on a, if it's a website and you have a URL, that's fine too. But, um, oh, one question. Is everyone okay with me in the show notes, putting your LinkedIn's if people want to reach out to you? Oh yeah. Yep. Sure. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um, we're also just going to repeat it in the outros, but uh, Matt, where could people reach you if they want to reach you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, slash Matt McFarland. Um, feel free to reach out. I've done, I've talked to a couple of people that are interested in springboard that have just randomly reached out. Um, so yeah, so don't, don't hesitate. Um, I'm also at, Hey, I'm Matt 
on GitHub and Twitter, though I'm on a social media break at the moment. So not super active on Twitter, but you feel free to hit me up there too. I like it. That's smart. Um, okay. For me, uh, if you want to reach me, donthedeveloper.tv, go to the contact link and it should email me directly. Uh, feel free to reach out to me. But, uh, you know, as always, appreciate, uh, you know, we did get partnered. Thanks to everyone that's been sharing, liking the videos, commenting. All helps these videos get uh, uh, shared with the YouTube's algorithm. So please keep it up. Um, I love you guys. You're awesome. So I just want to say thank you so much for that. But uh, how about you, Chris? Where can people reach you? Um, currently on LinkedIn and Twitter. I, LinkedIn, I'm Chris Connor, but I think there's like dozens of Chris Connor. So if you search, hopefully you'll see my name. I have like the same photo on both LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, but on Twitter, I'm at ChrisCodes57. So hopefully that's easier to find. Cool. My name's generic. Thanks, Chris. How about you, Peter? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. You you should find my name. It's pretty unique. Um And you could DM me on Instagram. It's a uh, underscore Kudaman. I'm willing to talk there well as well. All right. Sounds good. We'll stick around um for just a couple minutes after the podcast, but everyone, thanks for watching. Appreciate it. Uh, it should link at the end of the video. It should link to another podcast video. Um, I'm kind of curious and I want to hear in the comments, does it link to a video you even care about or should I like manually put it in? I'm just wondering if YouTube's like super accurate mm -hmm. with that, but let me know in the comments, but thanks for watching. Appreciate it. Or listening on Buzzsprout. Um, we'll see you in the next video. Uh, Matt, Chris, Kuda, thanks so much for hopping on. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.